Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, you know anybody who's been listening to me for any amount of time knows that um, there's nothing more I like talking about than, than sports history and putting it into historical context even when it doesn't have anything to do with the Cajuns or the Saints or the Tigers or the Astros. And so when I heard that the Commanders made a trade for Carson Wentz, my first thought was, didn't I tell Raymond that was going to happen yesterday? That was my first thought. (laughs) That was my first thought. Didn't I tell him yesterday that that was going to happen. I, I thought that I had done, done that. And uh, my second thought was, this reminds me of something. Th- this, th- there's an historical precedent for this. Um, I don't know if it's going to work out as well as that historical precedent. But there, there, there is a historical precedent for, precedent for this. And... Um, there was a redheaded quarterback who played for the Eagles and then went to Washington. It was obviously called the Redskins then, but still, it's the same franchise. Now, this cat went back and forth. About, you know, I don't think that's going to happen with Carson Wentz, but he, 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 he played for the Eagles, and then he went to Washington, and he was a redheaded quarterback, and that guy's name was Sonny Jurgensen. And, and just to show, Sonny Jurgensen's in the Hall of Fame, by the way. He always looked drunk to me. I, I know some people look like that. Some people look, every time I see him, even when they're totally sober, they look they still look drunk, and he was always one of them. But anyway, he, um, he was known as... The, one of the more accurate passers in NFL history. And just to show you how different football was, he again, he was a guy known as an accurate passer. His com, his career completion percentage is 57%. And that and and there are two re, there are two primary reasons for that. One of them is uh, back then you could hit the quarterback and you could put your hands all over the receiver. So it was a completing a pass was a lot more of a chore. And two, they most of the passes that they threw, well, I don't know about most, but a much higher percentage of the passes they threw were down the field. I mean, they threw the ball down the field. This cliche or idea that we have about the Raiders, I mean, the, you know, the, the Raiders weren't the only team that threw the ball down the field in that era. And he, and he played in the 50s and 60s and into the 70s. But um, he he played 
you know, 50s into the late 50s into the early 70s. And so he was, um, again, redheaded guy, started his career in Philly, did okay, not great, and went to Washington and had his best years. Well, you could argue his best years were in Washington. So, you know, if I'm a fan of the Commanders, I'm thinking, could this guy be Sonny Jurgensen? Now he's not as not as portly as we should say as Sonny Jurgensen was. He doesn't always look drunk like Sonny Jurgensen did, but he, um, I don't know that he's going to be as good a passer, as good a quarterback as Sonny Jurgensen was. But we'll see. We'll see that in time. Um, I don't know. It. it wow. I mean, you know, there were some people that were even kind of bringing him up for the Saints, and I was like, no, no. There's something not there. He, Carson Wentz just kind of strikes me. Again, I don't know him. I'm just going by impressions. He kind of strikes me as the guy you wouldn't mind being your next-door neighbor, but you don't, I don't know that I want him to be my teammate. I don't know. He's just weird. He just seems a little bit different. Carson Wentz. But no, I I, I just, Sonny Jurgensen. I mean, I mean, again, redhead. Started with Philly, went to Washington. Maybe, maybe that's what they're trying to do. I mean, you know, their owner was supposedly this lifelong Redskin fan. So theoretically, he would know all about Sonny Jurgensen. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. So again, always looking for an opportunity. Have a little history lesson. And um and the fact that Raymond is a Commanders fan kind of adds to the fun of it. To 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 just to be honest there, kind of adds to the fun of it. All right. The game hotline, 706-0111. Again, you can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So we will today kind of wrap up the basketball season. Um, Coach Murphy, who was with us just about every week, Throughout the course of the basketball season, at the end of towards the end of this hour, we were kind of wrap up the season with Coach Murphy and get his thoughts on what took place at the end of last week and the beginning of this week in the Sun Belt Conference tournament, and and maybe have some more thoughts uh, in college basketball as we make our way through to the um, to the NCAA tournament. The SEC tournament is obviously going on, and and you can hear. The LSU-Missouri game, you know, sometime early afternoon, 1.30-ish, right here on on the game. Also, we're going to start a segment in the 10 o'clock hour. You know, this is a horse racing region. We have uh, a lot of people are interested in horse racing. We, you know, there's a track there in Opelousas. used to be right across the highway here. Uh, when I was growing up, but now it is uh, in Opelousas. And we've also got, you know, 
a lot more people wagering on sports now than ever before. And so we're going to try to do our part in kind of where maybe your wager can have a little more education, on the at least in the horse racing part of it. So we're going to lean on my friend and local horse racing expert, Mr. Tom. If you remember last year, he just about nailed all the big races. Like he was, he was on top of it. Like he was on top of his game last year for the for the Triple Crown races. And so we're going to start early in the process, kind of like the spring training version of 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 horse racing, and and get us through all the Derby prep races and then leading up to the Kentucky Derby at the beginning of May. So, which is you know less than two months now. I mean, it's not that long. We're, we're not that far anymore from the from the derby and so he'll help people like me who are nowhere near a horse racing expert but are interested in it uh and and you know i'm sure he'll have some information for those of you who are really into horse racing as well so we'll be doing that starting that in the in in the 10 o'clock hour by the time we get to the kentucky derby we'll, we'll know a whole lot about um you know the horses and the process and and, and and what's going on there? That that'll be um, uh, that'll be good for us. Might, if we're gonna make a bit, but you know, if we're gonna make wagers, might as well be educated about it. And so that's what we're gonna start. Uh, also, what starts today? You know, I often say I, I don't know that I'm ready for the start of baseball season. Baseball, I love it. You ask me what my favorite sport is, I will say baseball. Um, but it's, it's a mental, it's a grind. It's a, you know, coaches talk about grind as a fan. Um, baseball is a grind. Once it gets, once it gets started, I'm all in. That's why I'm not, for a big baseball fan, I'm not in total angst like a lot of people. I am um once it starts if they stop it like they did in 81 like they did in 94 that's when I would really 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 struggle. I'd be very angry kind of like Raymond and a lot of other people are. But if they delay the start of it I'm not happy about that, but I, I I can cope with that much better because I don't I never know that I'm really ready for the start of baseball season when when it starts. And I hear people all the time, oh, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then, you know, a month later they're they're either they're alienated about something. I mean, you know, you know, we don't have any pitching or we don't have, you know, again, we're leaving too many runners on base. I mean, are you really ready? Are you sure you're really ready? Um, I'm never really sure that I'm really ready, or it's been a long time, because I know the day-to-day the -day grind, the day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, your emotions are, are, are on your sleeve every day. And, I, you know, it, baseball's different. They play games. These other sports, they don't play very often. Baseball, once they get going, they play just about every day. So you better really be ready. So I... I'm okay if they push it back. I don't want them to push it back too far because then too many people get too – got to deal with all that negativity. But um, 
I, I'm better than start, de- delaying the start than cutting it in the middle. Once I get started, oh no, we we, we got to go. You know, once once it gets started, you got to you're all in and, and you got to move forward. So uh, I don't really want to talk about that very much unless you would like to. But one of the things that's starting today is spring football. I'm never ready for spring football. <laughs> never, never. I don't. I can't ever remember in my life saying I'm ready for spring football, but it's here. And so, I'm gonna have the first press conference for the Cajuns, and it, and it's a little different this year because you know you have a new head coach, and you gotta kind of put quotations around the word "new." You know, he's been here for a while now. Um, he coached the bowl game last year. So it's not like Coach Dez is a new guy who we're getting to know. I mean, I covered him in high school. Covered him as a player. He was an assistant coach. And, and so it's it, he's not new. It, it's uh, But his role as head coach is new, obviously. And this is the first time that we're going to, um, you know, kind of experience Coach Dez in this role. So it's something where we'll kind of get used to. All right, before we go to our first timeout, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Darren. Hello. Yes, uh, you were talking about football history with the Washington football team. Yes, sir. I just want to make a comment on, on the same situation. Uh between Joe Theismann and the last quarterback, Alex Smith, the, the, you know what happened with him? The, it, the injury? It's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. The similarities uh, are unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, they had the same injury on the same date with, with the same team in the same city same, on the same yard line. The final score was both 23-21, to 21, and they both had got hit. Uh, by by a Pro Bowl player. One was Lawrence Taylor, three-time defensive player of the year. And the other one was J.J. Watt, a, a three-time defensive player of the year. And both of their left tackles went out with with an injury at the same time. That's some history for you right there. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that very much. And, and you know, if that, if that had happened to the Saints, Saints fans would be going – it only happens to it could only happen to the Saints. Well, no, the other franchises have that same little persecution complex too. It's like, you know, you could argue, you know, maybe maybe they're, you know, the Lions could say we're cursed, but maybe Redskins slash Commander fans could say we're cursed too. No, that was uh, what he said. I've heard before. It's unbelievable the similarities between Alex Smith and, and Joe Thiesman. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get out of it. Raymond's commanders. I'd be very worried if I were them. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. 
know, what kind of Sage fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Laviette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get going or continue, I want to remind you about the Hangout Music Festival. If you would like to win, not tickets, but VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, which is scheduled for Gulf Shores, Alabama. May the 20th through the 22nd, you simply need to join the Game Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could see. Hannah's telling me there's going to be 30-something acts there. So when we throw out names like Post Malone and Halsey and Megan Thee Stallion, those, those, are, a few, uh, those are just a few of them. There's going to yes. be all kinds of I mean, we're talking about three days of concerts here. Yes. One that people actually forget about that I think is big and I actually use it for one of y'all slugs for the show is T-Pain's actually going to be there. And T-Pain is a big name that you probably don't even know who no, that is. It's fine. I, I, perfectly, I won't know perfectly fine. But there's a there's actually a bunch. There's some that I don't even know that they could be like some of the the K-pop, just like Korean pop music. That's becoming a big thing. I think actually one of those artists will be there. Like a, I think it's like a boy group. I'm not sure, but there there's a lot. So there's gonna be something for everybody, no matter how young, how old you are. I think there's something for everybody. I wonder if any of the musicians in these 30 group in these 30 among these 30 groups have any idea who Sonny Jurgensen is um probably, probably not, not. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest probably with you. not yeah, i mean there may be thinking. i mean then again you have you have no idea but i'm looking at so i'm looking at the list let's see 3 6 9 12 yeah, there's actually over 30 of them. Right, over 30. Yeah. So maybe one of those knows who Sonny Jurgensen is. There may be. Most of these are they're kind of older. They're all kind of younger um, groups that I'm looking at. Yeah, they may not. So, But there's one, Sublime with Rome. They look um, a little bit older than Might me. Might be older. Yeah. But I, T-Pain might. I think T-Pain. No one, everybody in this group, <laughs> Walmart, I actually know. I think he might know who that is. Anyway, the point is, if you are interested in this, you need to go to one of the websites, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. You could win, put yourself in position to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Fest, May the 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Now, Raymond and I didn't actually go to Gulf Shores, but we saw the exit sign to go to Gulf Shores on the way to Pensacola. We just didn't take it. Um, and perhaps um, if I would have continued on the argument with him that Emmett Smith's the best running back of all time and convinced him that they were about to get Carson Wentz, maybe he would have he don't wanted to go to Gulf Shores. Who yeah. knows? Just to let you know, there is exactly 70 artists 
lined up. For this. 70? Yeah. I just counted them. <laughs> so when I thought about over 30, I was thinking like 35, 36, 70. Yep. I just counted every single, and there are like, uh, there's a lot of like single artists, like solo well, artists. Well, there are, um, there that increases the chances then that at least one of them has heard of Je- Sonny Jurgens. There has to be, because guess, one of the people that are there is Shaquille O'Neal, one of the artists. So Shaq's doing it. Yep. Ew, I don't Shaq know. Shaq might. You think Shaq knows who Sonny Jurgensen is? He might. He might. They call him Diesel on this thing. It says Diesel, and then in parentheses it says Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Shaq. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. He <laughs> might. He might. I don't know how much Shaq knows about NFL history. Of course, Shaq is... Like his basketball. He's not that young. Anything. Yeah, but he's not that young. So may, maybe no. he'll um may, maybe he's heard of Sonny Jurgens. That's possible. Because the thing is though, Shaq as a youngster was traveling. Like he lived in Germany for a while. I don't know even how much he knows about NFL football from the sixties. He's fifty. So he might. I mean, that's kind of when you learn history, you usually go back about ten years when it comes to like sports. It's and possible. Sixties is only ten years before he was born, so Maybe. It's definitely possible. All right. Cajun football spring practice. One of the things that I learned yesterday or ran across yesterday that I did not know. I mean, I figured it was going to happen, but I didn't know to what extent it was going to happen. I'm a tight end guy. Okay. And so from the first time, I've been trying to get. I, you know, I don't know that the Cajuns will ever get a tight end as good as, you know, Ladarius Green. I, again, that may never happen. But and, and I don't expect them to get another tight end as talented as Ladarius Green was when he was here. Uh, getting to be a long time ago, by the way. That's like 11, 12, 13 years ago. Um, but it'd be nice to have the tight end as part of the offense. And it's going to be interesting to see how that transform, how that happens or doesn't happen in Coach Dez's first two years. Because remember, Coach Dez was the tight end coach the last couple of years. And so he knows uh, how talented they are for sure. And, and I think there is a little more talent. And one of those guys is Neil Johnson, who I've been fascinated with since I first saw him. And, of course, his first couple years here, he wore the t- uh, classic tight end number, number 87. Well, a lot of guys have changed their jersey numbers this season, and one of them is Neil Johnson. So I'm kind of disappointed, I got to tell you. You know, we, we, we joke, um, um, we'll, we joke, in the press box um, and say things like, you know, that's your guy. And it's just joking, like, you know, so-and-so likes a guy and he says something positive about some player. Oh, I like what he's been doing or so-and-so looks like he's got potential. Well, then we kind of joke around, you know, some of the media members that I talk to a lot of times during games like, well, that's your guy. That's your guy. Because, you, you know, you talk good about him, so that that's your guy. And so when he does bad, then we look and say, your guy didn't get it done. Or when he does good, oh, look at your guy. He got it done. He, he, he made a big touchdown catch. It's just fun. It doesn't mean anything. But anyway, 
Neil Johnson's my guy, you know, because I'm a tight end guy. I love tight ends. And 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 so my guy changes his number. He's gonna wear number nine. Now I'm okay with changing I, I'm okay with wide receivers having single digit numbers. Even running backs having single digit numbers. But a tight end or a defensive lineman have a single digit number. I still struggle with that. I struggle with it. But anyway. That that is changed. Chris Smith changes his number. He's wearing number thirteen now. What Maurice Claret was thirteen, if I remember correctly. Um, and you know his career didn't end well. I understand that some people have like specific reasons why they want to change a number to something. I get that. By the way, Chandler Fields, who's the leader of the clubhouse, you would think, just because he got a little – he's the only one that has thrown a pass in a Division One game um, for the Cajuns, is probably the leader in the quarterback race, which is the theme that's going to dominate spring practice and August – camp I would think who is going to be the starting quarterback um and coach Dez will start spinning however he wants to control that narrative at tonight's first press conference I'm sure but and that's what he's supposed to do but uh Chandler Fields changed his number to 16 to 18 now because he's from New Orleans and because Peyton Manning wore 18 I'm thinking that maybe could be the reason. We'll we'll see. I'm sure we'll find out over the you know the first week of camp at some point. But change his number to 18. I don't know. And there, I, I look. I tried to come up with a list yesterday of how many of the guys changed their jersey numbers, and it it was in the 20s. It was a lot. It was pretty pretty extensive list. Uh, but those are the ones that. When I saw Neil Johnson, number nine, I was, oh, man. Pabo, a tight end wearing number nine. Three people actually have number nine, which to me, one of those players, I would feel a little uncomfortable. Like, it, it, it's enough to get used to a player on defense and a player on offense having the same number. That used to never happen. Well, whenever that was, eight to five, ten years ago, whenever that was, they started letting that happen, and you just deal with it. But now we got three of them have the same number. That seems a little much to me to have three, and one of those three I would be a little uncomfortable because either he's going to have to change his number at some point. I don't know that once they start playing games, I don't know how legal that is. I need to ask about that rule, but I don't know if you could have three guys have the same number in a real game. But anyway, most of you are probably saying, who cares about jersey numbers? But it just, you know, Tom Brady thought that was a huge deal when they started changing that in in the NFL. And he he thought it could get someone injured. You know, I don't know if it ever did. Uh, But he was very passionate about that. That was really a bad idea that the NFL allowed that to happen. Um, I don't, I don't have anything, any serious reason like that for not liking it, but it's just, it's just, it's just strange, you know, 
I'm a number guy. Of course, the most important thing, I guess, for me and what I do is that you can actually read the number, which a lot of jerseys that they that they have now, they don't you you can't really read the number. But no, the biggest thing about football through spring football for the Cajuns is going to be, you know, for the first time in what four years there, there there's a quarterback. I don't know if controversy is the word, but there's a quarterback race. I mean, there's a there's a quarterback battle. And there are different body types. Like, you know, you have Lance Lejeune, who is one of these, one of the three wearing number nine, um, who's more athletic and was a scout team quarterback because of his athleticism in a lot of the games last year, depending on who the Cajuns were playing. Then you have a Hunter Herring who seems a little bigger and more physical than, than, than his height that they list him as, uh, but more of a running, more of a physical runner type guy with a strong arm. And then you have Woolridge and Chandler who are more drop by passer type quarterbacks. So there, and, and then, you know, I, I don't, I can't believe, you know, the freshman like Zion McDonald or Zion Chris, I, I can't believe they're going to be in the option this year, maybe next year, if they make a really good impression, perhaps next year. I can't believe this year they would be. But so um, we'll see. Again, Chandler Fields last year, we commented on him a few times during the season last year. I guess you could say the Cajuns were very fortunate because the only time he ever really played was either a drive at the very end of a of a blowout game which over the last two years the Cadence didn't hardly have any blowout games now three years ago they almost every win they had was a blowout but the last two seasons there were a couple but not many I mean most games you needed the you needed the offense to do something in the fourth quarter either score or at least maintain control of the ball to protect a small lead. And so it was um it just what it didn't work out right for the backup quarterback to get a lot of playing time. But the one thing that, that was always impressive to me about Chandler Fields is when when the few times that he would play like when Levi's helmet would fall off, when Chandler Fields came in the game, they didn't just hand off. That cat was chunking it which means he wasn't a scared, and which means the play caller, theoretically Billy Napier, wasn't scared in him throwing the ball. And so they didn't seem to limit the offense at all. I think he's going to be a stronger, more accurate passer than Levi. The question is, can he do all the other things that Levi did if he indeed is going to beat us to quarterback and, and earns that position through spring and, and the fall? That, again, that's going to be the number one storyline, no question. And this is coming from someone who's not even a, a QW, like a lot, like most of you are, quarterback worship. Um, but there's no arguing that. All right. We'll talk more Cajun football over the next couple of weeks for sure. For now, we'll take a timeout, come back, talk to Coach Murphy as we wrap up the men's basketball season after a nice run to the finals in the Sunbelt Conference Men's Tournament in Pensacola, ending on Monday night. We'll do that when we come back on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foote is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you if you would like to win a family pack of four tickets to the Monster Trucks, the toughest Monster Truck Tour coming to the Cajun Home March 18th and 19th, then this is what you need to do. Text Bigfoot, B I G F O O T, Bigfoot to 683. 68683. Text Bigfoot to 68683. You might win a family pack of four tickets to the toughest monster truck tour at the Cajun Ome March 18th and 19th. All right. Speaking of the Cajun Ome, one of the teams, the primary teams that perform there is the Cajun men's basketball team we have with us, Director of Operations, Coach Mike Murphy. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. How are you? <clears throat> Well, I'm doing okay. I, I know that I'm sure – I hope y'all got to get at least a day of a little bit of rest. What a run that was. A lot of emotion, a lot of games, a lot of good moments, and yet it had to be pretty tiring for you and the whole team. It was a long week for sure, but, you know, that's that's tournament week, right? That, that's, that's what it means to be in the postseason. And I thought our guys handled themselves very well playing four games in five days. And then you add in the situation with Coach Marlin and his mom, her passing. It was it was stressful for sure, but I think the staff and the kids did a really, really good job of handling all the challenges. You know, from the very beginning of the season, the things that was talked about the most was how good a defensive team this was going to be. And at times it wavered here and there during the season. But, man, in those first three games of the tournament particularly – uh, the defense, after watching like midway through the first half of all these games, I'm like, I don't know how the other team's going to score enough points to beat the Cajuns. Yeah, our defense was on point. And if you look at the analytics, I'm not a big analytical guy, but if you look at the, the best analytic for me is you win, right? Um, the, uh, the analytics say we were by far the best defensive team, the most efficient defensive team in the tournament. And even when you look at the Georgia State game, you know, it was kind of punch-counterpunch. Um, every time we tried to make a run, they would answer, which is a credit to them. But our defense was on point. Uh, the scouting was on point. And the players, and all the credit has to go to them, the players did a great job of executing the defensive game plan. All right. Now, you know, sometimes as media members or fans, we tend to, you know, focus on the latest thing we see and all that. And I try my hardest not to do that. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, 
we, you know, you're looking at the, the, we talked about how big this team was going to be. And obviously you lost some of that with Isaiah Richards, not being eligible for the second semester, but, and, and then, you know, Theo had his injuries and then COVID and, and Jordan Brown had COVID issues and other, you know, and so yeah, it wasn't like they, they were always on the court, but that Texas state game, I thought was the best combination that I saw the the team play where where Theo and and Jordan were in perfect harmony defensively offensively was that the best game just in terms of Theo and Jordan all season long do you think I think so when you look at excuse me when you look at having the guys on the court for extended periods of time I think by far it was and um, you know uh, that was. Getting your best players on the court in the biggest games is the best way to have success. And we've struggled with that all year because of COVID, because of injuries. And other guys have had to step up. I think they've done a very good job when they've had to do that. But this is a game, especially when you get to the one and done, which is the t- you win, you move on, you lose, you lick your wounds, and you go home, your season. You need to have your players on the floor. And we didn't have Kobe. Think of that now. Third-team all-league guy, our second-leading scorer. He's not in the tournament. He can't play because of a knee injury. And we have to make another adjustment. So we go a little smaller. And I think by going a little smaller, starting Greg at the three, Jalen Delcourt at the two, and then a combination of Mike Thomas and, you know, Trajan um, Wesley and, and uh, Ray and A.U. at the one, it, I think it made us a, a little bit more athletic and I think it made it harder for other teams to guard us a little bit, but it really showed on the defensive end when we went just a little bit smaller. We had the two bigs in the game a lot, but um, I, I think that was a big part of it as well. So, you know, I know it's it, it's probably just kind of really easy for me to convenient to, to say this, but it seemed like in the first three games, Kobe's scoring punch or – Kobe's scoring potential wasn't missed as much because the defense was just, you know, just suffocated all three of those teams, UTA and Texas State and Troy. But in the Georgia State game, which is a very talented offensive team, you could see that. Uh, even when you play great defense, they made, they hit tough shots. I mean, they're just good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the game that you really probably missed, Kobe, not just because you lost, but because you needed his extra offensive potential, I would think. No question about that. That, that. That's a great analogy. Um, Kobe had, had made two threes, I think, when we were in Atlanta prior to his knee injury. And, and Kobe can go on these runs, especially from the three-point line. And he's got the size and strength to take it to the rim and finish with some authority. But he's really a good three-point shooter, and he shot the ball pretty well in conference play. So I think that's where it showed up the most offensively for us was against Georgia State, losing his offense. But prior to that, you know, Greg Williams, you know, has been looking for some confidence and consistency all year, and he found it really when we started to play Monroe that week. We go to Georgia, we blow out Georgia Southern, a place we haven't, a team that's beaten us five times in a row. Most people don't realize that, but it's a really tough place to play. And then we go to Georgia State, and, and, and it's a one-possession game with a minute to go. But Greg found some consistency and some confidence over the last eight or nine games and you really saw that growth in the tournament and that confidence show and that skill set show in the tournament. And I think the same can be said for Jalen Delcourt. You know, Jalen had some injuries. 
He had COVID issues. You know, he was kind of in and out of the lineup because of that. And once again, he found some confidence and some consistency going into those last eight, nine games of the season, and it showed in the tournament, as with Greg. And another guy I want to point out is Mike Thomas. I thought Mike Thomas had a great tournament. I mean, he showed me some things. He played with some authority. He played with confidence. And, and um, you know, I think he helped solidify his position a little bit coming into or uh, going into next year. But the confidence and consistency we had from our guard play going into those last eight, nine games of the season really showed in the tournament. Um, you know, you mentioned Mike Thomas. I was going to ask you, Hen, just to Scott, like, I, I, he really did impress me in spite. Now, he may, he got out of control a few times, and freshmen are going to do that. But, you know, I thought he, re- I, I, did, I was like, mm, I don't know about him. But at the end of the, at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, I'm like, I could see where he could become a good functional player for y'all program. Oh, no question. You know, and there's good reason. I mean, you look at him, he's not the biggest guy, right? You know, he maybe weighs 150 pounds soaking wet. Right. But what he is, he's really athletic. He can put, he can, he can get the ball down the court with pace. He, I, I tell you, one play that really impressed me was when we were playing UTA at the Dome. And Mike challenged the KO kid, the kid from UTA, the seven-footer with a wingspan that makes him like 13 feet tall, right? Right. The guy's a great athlete. He's a great jumper. And Mike took it right at him and scored over the top of him. That play, I remember telling some of the guys in the bench, said, he's found something here. That play showed me a lot. And then you saw it in the tournament where he wasn't afraid to attack the basket under control with a purpose, right, going into or, or, or attacking the rim with a shot in hand or looking to draw the defense and make that extra pass. So, so I, I was really impressed with what he did. Now, his shooting's going to have to get better. He did develop a little bit of that. I saw him hit a few of those, like, little hanging jumpers in the lane, which is good which is good to see. And and I'm sure his perimeter game will improve a, a, as his career goes on. But uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I really – I developed a lot more confidence in him over the last three weeks or so. Yeah, and once again, it was a matter of consistency and, and confidence, and, and he got that over the last, you know, seven, eight games of the season. And sometimes it, it just it takes a while, you know. You never know when the light's going to go on or when the switch is going to go on. And you can't predict it. Um, you prefer to come on sooner than later. But, I mean, trying to win four games in five days is really difficult. I don't care who you are or what level you're at. All right. And for us to play the way we played in the tournament, even through Georgia State, because they jumped on us early, but we kept pushing. We kept, it was punch, counterpunch. We kept coming at them. And to, to beat UTA, a team that beat us twice during the season, who had the leading score in the league on their team, and had, you know, what I think is is one of the more dynamic guys in KO protecting the rim. They beat us twice. We beat them. You play, you play Texas State, number one seed going into the tournament, beat you twice during the year. All right. They've got two first-team all-league guys. We beat them. Then you go play Troy, one of the hotter teams in the league, a fourth seed, and you beat them convincingly. And then you go play Georgia State, who was the preseason number one team in the league, for good reason. They have four seniors. All four were super seniors. What does that mean? They got the COVID year back. Allen being one of them, right? And it showed. Absolutely. And, and you yes. still, it's punch, counterpunch. And, and so I'm really proud of the guy's effort. I think we've got a lot to build on for next year. And, and I think we have more questions answered than we do, you know, question marks in terms of solidifying positions for next year. 
Well, look, Coach, we appreciate your time all year long and your insight. Thank you very much, and congratulations on a great run in the tournament. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Kevin. Go Cajun. All right. Coach Mike Murphy will take a timeout, finish out the first hour next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil brought to you by JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot, a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astro game. I was crowing yesterday about because we got all we were getting all this new good news from Verducci and Nightingale and eh. um we still plan on giving tickets away to an Astro game. But anyway, to win this great prize, you can sign up today for the Game Rewards Club 1037thegame.com 1041thegame.com and you might win the ultimate crawfish ball from JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment and Cody's Crawfish and the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. Um I'm glad Coach Murphy brought up Michael Thomas because, again, he didn't play well in the finals particularly. And if you haven't been watching the Cajuns and you saw him play in the finals, it was him, you know, largely against fifth-year seniors with a lot of tournament experience. Um, So I don't know if that was an apples-to-apples comparison. But he did some things down the stretch that gave me some hope that he could be the point guard of the future. I just I um, hadn't seen that before. So I'm encouraged with with Michael Thomas, what he could be. So we'll see how that plays out long term. All right. That's it for the first hour. Another hour of footnotes. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111. 706-0111, if you would like to get in. It's a good segment to do so. We um, started the show by kind of halfway joking with Raymond, so that just sometimes you just got to have a little fun with that kind of stuff when your cohort's um, favorite team makes a move that people are questioning around the country that, you know, you got to, you got to explore that a little bit. And if you can put a little historical perspective on it, it's even better. So we'll see what that, how that works out with Carson Wentz going to Washington. Um, Obviously, if you're a Saints fan, you're still a little bit worried about, okay, who is, who is your quarterback going to be? I still think it's going to be Jameis, but 
you know, some people are trying to push the Jimmy G rumors on the Saints. We'll see how all that plays out. Did go to a softball game last night. The Cajuns beat McNeese 5-3. to three. And to no one's surprise, really, who's ever seen her play, Kendall Talley, who had not gotten off a good start since transferring to McNeese, went 3-for-3 three three with a double and an RBI. Um, you know, just um, not a surprise. Very feisty player. Uh, one of the turning points in the game was uh, the game was tied and McNeese got a, I think it was a single and a double or a walk and a double. Anyway, they had runners on second and third and nobody out. And they, br- um, uh, Kendra Lamb came in to replace Megan Shorman and got a strikeout and then a double play. The double play was a pop into shallow left field or like kind of right behind second base, you know, to a shortstop, and they tried to score on it on a sack fly, maybe maybe catching their cadence off guard, maybe. I, I don't know exactly why they did it. And normally you say you would do that with your number nine hitter up on deck just to take a chance and a bad throw or something. But when that number nine hitter is Kendall Talley, and, and, and oh, that was a big part in the game where – they she would have at least gone up there with a runner on third and two outs with a chance to drive in a run and the Canes didn't get her out yesterday you know she went three for three with a with a double so the they tried to score they threw him out at the plate didn't get a run in that inning got one more run uh, off of a Kendra a little later two innings later I think it was but the Cajuns held on for a five to three win the problem that with this weekend is on tomorrow, the weather reports in Lafayette are not that good. Cold and rainy, potentially. So we'll see with the baseball team that got, you know, the UNO game canceled on Wednesday and the Louisiana Tech trip canceled because of cold and wet rain on, on Tuesday. They've got Houston in town for the weekend series. Softball's supposed to open with Georgia State, so we'll see how all of that plays out. LSU men are playing Bethune-Cookman. Uh, scheduled to anyway, so we'll see if the weather impacts them. And then, of course, LSU men's basketball team, about 1.30 this afternoon, will be playing Missouri right here on the game. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Jay. Hello. Yeah, man, uh, Pelican fans, they're always talking about Anthony Davis. You know, um, always talking about he's hurt, he in street clothes. I think uh, Brandon Ingram nickname should be Lil A.D. Ooh. Right? He always- uh, you always, you always injured. Yeah. Like I, said, I don't look, I don't like taking shots at players like that. But some of these Pelican fans, man, taking shots at AD. So hey, reap what you sow. Let's call Brandon Ingram little AD from now on. Thank you. All right. Well, Jay bringing up the Pelicans. It, you know, until Ingram went down, and you know, it sounds like he's going to be out another week or so. I. The way the Lakers are playing, what a what a what a what a huge loss opportunity for the Pelicans, really. And, and look, I get Jay's point. That's a separate issue. He's not talking about the race for you know to be the nine seed or the ten seed or any of that. He's just talking about a principle of don't be dogging other players because that might come you know the old glass houses thing. I mean, it might come back to you know players that you like might be in that same situation. So I I, I get his point. Um. 
the Pelicans sure have, have had enough of that this year with Zion not playing and probably not going to play. And then now when they could really be reaping some benefits of everything that they've done well this year through a, through a very difficult and trying season, uh, it's a part of the schedule they might have could have taken advantage. You know, I heard what, um, you know, people were saying that, yeah, they probably should have beaten or could have, should have, would have beaten the Magic even without Ingram. <coughs> it's probably a legitimate statement. But, you know, you're not always, when you're shorthanded, you're not always going to play well. I mean, even when you're not shorthand, you're not always going to play well. And so it, should, it was just a bad night for some guys to have a an off um, game. And you don't really got to play the Suns next week. So if you're a Pelican fan, you don't really like your chances of beating the Suns again, especially if Ingram isn't around. And then, you know, you really can't afford to be losing games to the Magic. So a little bit of a, of a setback. But of course, the Lakers keep helping you. They just—they seem to lose just about every game they play. I mean, it's crazy. You know, the Lakers are supposed to be able to go to the Rockets and win, just like the Pelicans are supposed to beat the Magic. Their fans would say. And so, um, no, it's a little bit of a setback there. So, point. I, I get Jay's point. I mean, we all do that. We all have certain players that we don't like. And speaking of that kind of situation tonight's game in Philly the Nets and the Sixers you know I heard that the heard some talk about the ticket prices are through the roof thousands of dollars for a regular season game ticket to go watch a guy who used to play for you that you're very angry at that so say sell you down the river or whatever. Um, he's not even playing. Ben Simmons is not even playing yet for the Nets. But apparently people, many, many, apparently, many, many Sixer fans are going to pay $1,000 a seat to go there and boo a guy in street clothes. I mean, whoo, man. What a um, – but again – I don't really like, uh, you know, that I don't really, I like sports rivalries, but I guess that's kind of a version of a sports rivalry. Like, you know, there's going to be whenever though, can you imagine if those two would play in a playoff series? I mean, there's going to be people doing things they shouldn't be doing. No question about that. And they're going to be people saying things that they should not be saying, but from a, Pure bitter sports hatred, sports rivalry, high interest um, point of view. Man, that's going to be a dicey. That would be a dicey series. Very, very dicey. Very interesting. Even for people who aren't NBA, big NBA fans might watch that one. Kind of like you know, what I was saying about UL playing Coastal Carolina in Sunbelt football. But, of course, the Sunbelt dropped the ball on that big time. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to Darren. Hello. Yeah, the, the, we, 
would you think the 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 Pelicans should do with Zion? You think they should play him, or you, you think they should sit him? Like, well, it, it, if if he can play and they think he's healthy, then he should play. But if he's not healthy and they're worried about re-injuring him because because he's not healthy, then he should just sit. I, I, you know, I, I understand. A lot of people are saying, well, at this point, might as well just sit him out. Well, if he's healthy, he should play. In my mind, give him something, throw him a little bitty tiny bone to the poor Pelican fans. But if he's not healthy, then and, and there's any risk involved, then don't play him. Okay. Well, well I, I'm I, here. Here's my point of view. It, what you doing for next season? It, it, what you go playing for? With just a playing tournament or just a few games? What you go risk getting them hurt for? Because you already know he's injury prone. Why why get get him hurt? Because you probably you probably know he's not going to come back, and you don't want to get stuck with him again or pay him all these millions just to build a team around somebody you know you're probably not going to build the team around anyway. Because, you know, it's Brandon Ingram's team anyway, you know? I understand your point. I'm just saying if you are, you know, some team that expects to be a top four seed or five seed and you're in the playoffs every year and you're advancing in the playoffs every year and and your GM is totally respected and made a lot of good decisions, I agree with everything you said. But when you're the Pelicans and you haven't had a lot of success and your GM is, is on the verge of maybe losing his job – I think you got to try to have some success and 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 create some foundation that you can build on for the future. I don't know if the Pel- I think your logic is. I think what you're saying is would be totally on point for an established organization, for one that's trying to establish itself. Man, I'd like to see him out there, even if it's just for two or three games to help you get what you can do. I mean, just you know, getting through the play-in tournament would be a huge step for this franchise. I think. All right, but but my point of view is, okay, maybe you can keep value with him by by trading him next off season because you know he has value now. But say if you put him out there right now, just for a game or two, and he re-injures his foot, now what value you have in him now? No, I, I mean he, I, he, he, he you're loses right. value. That part is right, but that's where I go back to, and again, doctors don't know everything, but. Um, that's why they they call it. Some people joke. That's why they call it a practice. They're just practicing. But it's it's um, you know, you you have to make sure he's really healthy. That's why I was saying at the very beginning, if he's a hundred, if you think he's a hundred percent healthy, then go for it. If 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 he's you know, and I'm just throwing out percentages to make it. If he's ninety five percent healthy, don't put him out there. Is but again, you know that there's you can always get hurt. You know, we both know that. And, and then another thing. You see Dame in Portland. You know, you know he don't really want to go nowhere. But if if he wants to go anywhere, he maybe want to come back with CJ. And you maybe could trade Zion for 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 Dame. He 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 might not want to go any other place, but but team up with his friend. You know. Ooh man, that would be something. That 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 would uh, that would be something. Yes, sir. <laughs> that would be that'd be quite a deal. Well, look, I appreciate it. Very good, uh, very good points. I, I I don't know that we agree, but I think both sides. You know, I think we both made legitimate points, and we'll see what happens. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. We will take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears. 
less than two months away now from the Kentucky Derby. So we're going to start getting us ready for that big first race of the Triple Crown races with our friend Mr. Tom, local horse racing expert. We'll do that next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guests, want to tell you about Half Shell Oyster House. You could win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. If you go to the website, join the game Clubhouse. But you can't win if you don't join that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and join the game clubhouse today. All right. We are going to be more prepared is the plan for when we get to the Kentucky Derby on May the 7th uh, than ever before. And we're going to start that process right now by talking horse racing with my good friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for the help. Thanks for having me on. All right. So tell me, for those of you who are like you or a horse racing expert, you know all this stuff. But for those of us who are not, um, is this weekend the first big weekend of kind of derby prep races? Or, did it, or, or, or where are we in that process? Well, this is the first weekend for what we call derbies. Tampa Bay has their derby this weekend. But prior to that, we've had several prep races, all worth from uh, 10 to 50 points for winners. And that's where we stand right now. Uh, we're going into the derby season this weekend at the Tampa Bay Derby. Yes. All right. So for someone who really knows the field, <clears throat> like like say a week or two ago, how possible would it be for someone who's really into horse racing to kind of be able to say, okay, these are the whatever, 20 horses or however many horses they're going to have now uh, in the Kentucky Derby, or, or is it really too unpredictable at this point? <sighs> well, from my standpoint, Kevin, um, and I look at it from a little bit different angle, this is probably – since the pandemic, and of course, this will be the first real year we'll have fans in the stands, so they speak. Right. Um, this 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 field coming up is as disorganized as any I've ever seen, and the one the number one reason is that the number one Kentucky Derby guy, Bob Baffert, is banned from the Kentucky Derby for two years. That means a lot of good horses that he has are either going to have to be consigned or sold in order to run in the Derby. So the field's real wide open, let's put it that way. 
Is is there? Do you think like is just about everyone in the horse racing industry on board with the with the with his suspension? And in other words, he was like a guy that everyone hated behind the scenes, or not even all behind the scenes. Or do you think there's some people that don't like what happened to him? Well, I think there you could probably draw lines right down the middle on that. The biggest problem coming up with horse racing is on July the 1st. The first federal um, law or statute ever imposed upon the horse racing industry will come into effect. It will mean that every, every horse everywhere in America will be treated the same. And so they're going to have to provide for aftercare and all that stuff, which they do now. The horse racing industry does that, and they do it well. But there are other provisions of this this law that's going to make jurisdictions all kind of the same, like medications. That's the big problem. That's why Bob Baffert's banned, because of, of medications, and his horses turned up positive. So it, 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 can, you, can I tell you something about horse racing right now? I, I probably got about 10 horses that I think can win, and that's where I stand right now. Now, so what? What? Who's the big horse this weekend in Tampa that you're looking to see uh, is going to perform? And if it doesn't, might might fall out of the running here. Okay, uh, this weekend in Tampa is going to be the winner of the um, Sam Davis, I believe it was, and that's Classic Causeway, and he ran a real good race. But in the race, he was he was. He, Pace. He was up there close to the lead, and he didn't have a whole lot of challenge when it came for coming for the for, for home. So he wasn't really challenged. This weekend, he's going to get a severe test. He won that, and that was a prep race for the Tampa Bay Derby. This week, he gets a severe test from a Baffert, from a uh, Todd Fletcher horse uh, called Major General. He will come in off of a, a win in the Iroquois, which was at Churchill Downs. Anyway. The Tampa Bay Derby, which I thought was just going to be a throwaway this year, is very, very. It has a very strong field, so we'll see a, a good horse come out of Tampa this weekend. Well, that's the only prep race this weekend. It's kind of like a break, and then in two weeks we'll have the fairgrounds, the Louisiana Derby, and it'll be in two weeks from today, uh, from Saturday. But this weekend's kind of a, you know, that's it. That's all we got. So, um. With no Baffert, who, who who could really kind of flourish? Who, who could this open the door for? Is it really too early to know that? No, I don't think so. Uh, and I think you'll probably come out of the woodworks, maybe out of Arkansas or something like that. But there's this trainer called Brad Cox, and those people who are in the business know what I'm talking about. He's the guy that had Nick's go, who got beat by life is good in the Pegasus in late January at Gulfstream, that was a, a great race. But anyway, uh, Brad Cox has a string of really nice horses. They, I'm not all familiar with them right now, but I can bet you one thing. He, if he gets a horse into the Derby, he'll have a good chance to win. There's the usual Todd Pletcher. He will have three or four probably. He's got one in this race here and a bunch of them coming up. And maybe uh, Chad Brown, uh, who's more of a turf specialist, but he might put some in. And, and, and I think Graham Motion from Maryland might have a horse or two. But the rest of them, 
uh, Kevin, and let me tell everybody, most of these good horses will come out of California. There's one called, um, what is that horse? That Wonder of Magic Kingdom or something that ran this weekend in California, and he blew the doors off of the rest of the horses. So that's where the where the better horses will probably come out of California. Will they win? I don't know. We'll see. Now, how Depends many on. how many are going to run in the Derby on May seventh? There'll be twenty. In fact, they've got a brand new gate they installed last year that that can you know that doesn't have a break. It's all twenty horses in a row. And with the break is that they they tended to break in and the inside horses tended to break out and they all tangled up. So they're hoping with this new gate they'll all break, you know, in a straight line. And and that'll help. But that's what they'll do. They'll be twenty, Kevin. They don't make any difference. They'll be twenty. So they'll be lined up to come in if they don't another one's not there. You know what I mean? You know, I liked the era and and I know this may sound I like the era where you knew there was a time where you knew one thing: the the favorite was not going to win the Derby, and that's not been so much anymore. Do, do you prefer those days, or do you prefer now when it, the the favorite's winning a little more? Hey, listen, I mean, if, if, if you're a gambler, you, want, you don't want any favorites winning. Um, I just think that it's it's it, by the time you get to the Derby, Kevin, it's like getting to the Final Four. You know, all four of those teams could win. And by the time you get to the Derby, you've got at least 10 horses that, that can win. And so what happens after that? It's jockey and horse, and it's where you put it. You know what I mean? That first turn, if you've got 20 horses shooting for one point, what do you think is going to happen? So you got good horses, Kevin. All right, so... Right now, are you got a stable of two or three or four, or do you already have pretty sure you know who in two months, if everything goes well health wise and all that, who who your pick's going to be to win? Or are you looking at you know you got a stable of two or three you're trying to determine right oh, now? Oh, I, I think it's way too soon to talk about um, that. Whether I've got somebody, um, but I've got some horses that I really do like. Uh, one of them will show up uh, in the Florida Derby, I guess, or whatever. It's called White Abario, A-B-A-R-R-I-A-O or something like that. But he 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 was – I don't know. It's hard to explain to people because I know you don't have enough time for this. But it, for three-year-olds, you want to see them get better every time they run. You don't want to see them regress. You don't want to see them miss a, a, a workout. You don't want to see them running on sloppy tracks if they can help it. You want to see them getting better. And this is a horse that's getting better. Uh, I like him. I like uh, Messier, the, the Baffert horse. Uh, he's just, right now, he's in the class of um, American Pharaoh and Justify. He's that good. The problem is, is he going to get a chance to run? Or is he going to get a chance to run against really good horses? I don't know. And another horse I'm looking at is called Barber Road, B-A-R-B-E-R-R-O-A-D. He did not win the Arkansas. Um, he did not win the Rebel at Arkansas, which was a, 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 an incredibly interesting race because it was run on a bad track, and two horses that were way back ended up being 1-2, and those kind of races are always exciting. 
Uh, Ooyai, the horse that won the Rebel, is trained by a man named Ricky Corville. He's from this area. Uh, so he might be interesting to take, keep an eye on. Anyway, oh, I, that's about it for, for this week, Kevin. Well, look forward to to getting updates with the uh, with you each sure. week and again all the way up to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, you know, now that we're going to be doing this, the pressure is going to be on. You nailed it last year. You're going to have to <laughs> nail it again this year. Well, I'll have to get another Medina Spirit this year. That's all, <laughs> I, that's what I'm looking. All right. Well, enjoy uh, the race in Tampa this weekend. We appreciate your time, Mr. Tom. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on. All right. We will jump back in. Again, I, I, I've i said it before about horse racing. We used to have um, Chamberlain on from Evangeline Downs, and I really enjoyed talking to him, too. I, I'm fascinated by horse racing. I don't know a lot about it. Mo- there are very few sports that – I have an a really a functional interest in that I don't really participate in. And horse racing is one of them. If <laughs> you know, horse racing is a sport that I think I could have got into a long time ago and really be. If I decide, I just said, "Oh no, you're gonna get in big trouble here. You need to stay away from that." But but no, I've I'm, I've always been very interested in it, and uh, look forward to learning more about it over the next two months. We'll take a time out. We'll be back on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 10th, 1984, Georgetown defeats rival Syracuse 82-71 in overtime of the Big East Men's Basketball Tournament at Madison Square Garden in New York City. The Patrick Ewing-led Hoyas would go on to win the NCAA Men's Tournament. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right. I, you're going to have to help me out with this one, Hannah. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants us to be a part, wants you to be a part of the Lake Charles Golf Championship. So you can win a, guz, a dozen golf balls. And a spot in the game foursome for the Lake Charles Golf Championship Pro-Am on Wednesday, March the 23rd. And on in this foursome, again, is the man who calls himself Big, Bald, and Beautiful, RP3, will be. So has he been, like, he's been pulling double shifts. He just got back from Pensacola. When is he doing this golf practicing that I... I I, I didn't like. When is this happening? I have no idea. Apparently, he's been practicing golf somewhere. He's going all playing all these golf tournaments. Apparently, there has to be something between doing everything. Everything he's doing here at the station, and you know what he's doing outside the station for the station. I'm not sure where he's getting this out to be able to go practice and stuff because he also has Hattie's getting into 
playing basketball. Right. So when he gets home, he's practicing with her. So I don't know when he's practicing golf. He might be practicing at all. Now, is our boss, Chuck Wood, be able to give him some golf talent through osmosis, maybe? Maybe. Um, maybe through every fist bump that Ray Ooh. gives out every day. Maybe nah. he's doing it through that. I'm not sure. My man's sure volunteering to be in a lot of golf tournaments. It's all I know. So oh, that'll, yeah. that'll be interesting. So anyway, if you want to play golf in this tournament and be part of the game foursome, in the Lake Charles Championship Pro-Am on Wednesday, March 23rd. Here's what you need to do. You need to text NUGGET to 68683. Text NUGGET to 68683, and you might win a spot in the game foursome for the Lake Charles Championship Pro-Am again on Wednesday, 23rd. <clears throat> so next week, he's going to be playing in the Pro-Am at La Triumph for the Louisiana Open, and then the week after that, he's going to be playing in the Lake Charles Golf Championship. Oh, man. Better him than me. He must be practicing because I sure haven't played in a long, long time. All right, let's go back to the game hotline and talk to the FedEx man. Hello. Good morning there, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Man, Kevin. Oh, that was some uh, some interesting news that uh, trickled down there uh, through uh, LSU about there. There were allegations coming their way, wasn't it? It was. I, you know, when people say it's bad, I don't really have a good idea of what bad means. But I guess we're about to find out. Well, bad means they save that they save their best case for last, but that's what bad means. And also, bad means all the other schools that got implicated. There was all the assistant coaches that were on tape. What school had the only head coach on state? That dummy over here. So bad is bad. And look, you got to remember. Remember when it first happened, and he 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 he. he was kicked not kicked, he kicked off the team, but he didn't want to go talk to the uh, the the policy be at LSU for about a, a couple of weeks. You remember that? Yes, sir. You think they forgot that? <laughs> man, when you mess with the man, and when the man's going to have a chance to get you, what he's going to do? Ask Sean Payton. Sean Payton messing with Goodell. The, the, the NFL came up with all kind of uh, that 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 phony bounty gate. They got him, didn't they? They did. You don't mess with the man. And another thing you got to look at, Scott Woodward, what does ADs, or what do all these ADs love to do? They love to have their own man in there, or female. They like to have their own coach in there. They all do. And there's only two left that got to leave her. And that's Beth Torino, which she's doing fabulous. She, she's going to stay there forever as long as she wants. And this this guy. <laughs> you know, Kevin, you ever heard, uh, I'm, I'm going to sing a little song for you, Kevin. You know that song, uh, uh, what was the name of that song? I forgot the name of that song. Uh, uh, American Pie. Remember oh. that song, American Pie? Oh, I love Pie? it. Love it. Love it. Well, look, like, uh, let me sing you a little verse, Kevin, right here. So they'll be singing, bye-bye, Mr. General Wade. Took his clown show to the levee, but the levee was dry. And good old Scott was drinking whiskey and rye, saying this will be the day that we'll die. This will be the day that we'll die. Uh, man, the man's fired up. He's singing on the air. He's so fired up. Uh, I'm so fired up. And look, it ain't going to happen overnight. They're going to let this little NCAA run. Whatever happens, happens. I don't even think he makes it a Final Four. With them level one and level two on that contract, they're going to be able to get out of that contract scot-free with all the money they're spending Ogeron and with the money they're spending Chip Kelly. Come on, Cat. 
man, it, it this makes way too much sense for them to get rid of him, Kevin. Well, we will see. We will see. I'm going to be looking forward to the day to remember. It's the year of the FedEx, man, so it's going to happen, buddy. Okay. How it go? <laughs> Boy, it, these last, this last year or so has been, uh, last two years, it's been the year of the stretch of the foot of FedEx, man. That is absolutely true. So, uh, I, again, I don't know. We'll, we will, um, they say bad, and <clears throat> I guess that's relative. Uh, the FedEx man sh- certainly seems to have is that his expectations of what bad is going to mean and what the what the implications are going to be and the ramifications of that going to be moving forward. But w- what we will see, LSU does play again today about one thirty. Uh, I think it's game two of the of the SEC tournament scheduled today, and you can hear all that action against Missouri. One hundred three. Seven the game. You know, Missouri used to be a basketball school. LSU was a baseball school and a football school. Um, not so much a basketball school. So I, I would have thought that I still really am surprised and don't really get the whole Missouri in the SEC thing, by the way, all these years later. I, I still... I would have thought that men's basketball um, would have been the one sport that Missouri could compete in pretty well, like in in the SEC, and yet that has not transpired. You know, here we are. Now they didn't win; they beat Ole Miss, so it's not like it's not like they're one of the two worst teams in the conference. But um, but uh, they they have not done as well in basketball as I would. I would have thought basketball would be the one sport that they might be able to, you know, maybe even be like in the top half of the league in. I guess in softball they might be. Ain't too much. I understand the whole conquering the country kind of thing, but I, I still don't get the whole Missouri thing. But anyway, I guess I'm too short-sighted on, in, 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 in some areas. But, uh, but no, we'll see. But no, I, I, I never, I didn't, when I woke up this morning, I did not think I was going to hear a version of one of my favorite songs ever, American Pie, <laughs> having to do with Ellis. I did not think that. I did not expect to hear that. Now, and there are going to be those out there. Look, I can't sing a lick, so I I don't criticize people for not being able to sing because I can't sing at all. And so uh, I will, you know, well, I I don't know about the actual subject matter, but I'm I'm going to give them a um, give them a C for trying to sing on the air, and we'll see how it all plays out. I I I really don't know. I I just I'm just waiting and seeing. I you know obviously we don't know what they have behind the scenes and we'll wait and see. Now I don't think it'll have much impact on the team. I mean they you know they they they're used to this. They're used to this you know behind the scene thing kind of hanging over the program's head for a long time. Now 
what the AD and the and the univ- the new president is going to or relatively new is going to do. You know, we're all guessing. We don't know. We're, we're, we're just guessing on that. Right now, I guess if you're an LSU basketball fan, your number one priority is try to win this game and try to win some tournament games, and then whatever happens, happens kind of thing. I, I, I agree with – I heard Raymond um, – what are we going to start – what are we going to call we, – we need to – if Raymond keeps playing all these golf terms, we're going to have to come up with a nickname for him, maybe the Walrus or something. We'll, 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 we'll come up with that. But – um. We'll we'll see. Um, I heard Raymond say that he feels really good about their chances of beating Missouri and maybe even Arkansas. I kind of agree with that. I could see them making a run in, in the tournament. I, I I could see that happening. But first, you gotta, as they say, first things first. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Talk to Paul. Hello, Kevin. Not it, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Manning. I'm sorry. Hey, Kevin, man, I'm glad that FedEx man called in because, boy, listen, when when Brother Love hears that, oh, he, he all the pressure's going to be off me because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't hammering. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy about LSU basketball, but I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't cry if Will Wade was gone because I personally believe that he's very overrated. Coaching wise, he's a, obviously the great recruiter, but but you know the, uh, his methods are uh, obviously have been taken to question. You know, uh, but uh, I'm just glad that FedEx man called in so that take off the pressure off of me with uh, <laughs> with, with bitter slash brother love because man, I I've been worried. You know that, that I got I get blackballed or something because I. No, did a mention me by name on the air, and whew, that made me made me have some anxiety. I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't want to get involved in that. But man, the Walrus Kevin, that was written. I, I laughed out loud. Good thing I wasn't on the air. Don't, don't you think would that be a good nickname for him, the Walrus? <laughs> Since... I'm not gonna come. I don't want to come in. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's about you know. Listen, Raymond's a, a, a stout you know man. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, maybe you could run some more names. <laughs> maybe we could kick some more names around as it go, gets a little closer. You know, uh, but like you say, all this golf playing. Ooh. All of a sudden, I yeah, mean, I'm, when, I'm, when is he having time to practice for all these golf I don't tournaments? Know, maybe you know, maybe he's uh, the station's paying for some lessons or you know, something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes I turn on the radio in the afternoon when I get off work. You know, he's on there at four o'clock. I know you. You know, he's got. They got somebody now, but. The man works a lot. He maybe he's taking. He's going to the driving range at night, or you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just really want to say that FedEx man took the pressure off of me. So uh, just tell Bitter to get all of his all of his uh, anger directed at the FedEx man who wants to get. Who wants to get the death penalty for his team? For his team. Uh, <laughs> all right, Manny, before I let you go, give me a prediction. LSU will be eliminated in what round of the SEC tournament, or will they not be eliminated and win it? Uh, I, I do. I mean, obviously, they, they, they better beat Missouri. 
really, they played Arkansas for whatever reason. You know, matchups in basketball yeah. are big. They could beat Arkansas. I think that's probably about it. You know, uh, uh, but I, I could see them beating Arkansas because, you know, they played them. They should have won both games against Arkansas. I lost them both. So, for whatever reason, yeah, they match up well. It's just that, you know, when they get to the – I think they can win a game in, that, in the NCAA tournament. When you get against a two-seed or whatever they're going to be, you're looking at usually a really solid, well-coached, fundamental team. And, and I think they have almost no shot at going any – any more past the first round. So All I kind right. of think they could beat Arkansas. I think that's going to be it, though. All right. Well, thanks for calling, man. All right, Kevin. All right. All right man. Now, let, let me just tell – I need to tell Raymond this. I had some friends many, 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 many years ago because he brought up maybe he's practicing at night. Uh, I had some friends many, many years ago that decided they might want to play a little golf on a course at night. Well, there were some police officers that didn't think that was a very good idea. So um, we might want to we might want to warn the walrus um, that uh, playing golf at night. Well, maybe I guess he could find like a practice range that with some lights, and maybe he could do on the. But I wouldn't try to do any practicing on an actual golf course at night. That that might some police officers might not like that very much. Plus, I've seen enough. I watch a lot of crime shows, and I've I've seen people like utilize lakes on golf courses. Yeah, crime shows. There's before. a whole. There's an episode in NCIS where yes. a guy was like found in the sand. Yeah, yeah. and then they, parts you of know, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that 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 gets kind of iffy that using the golf course in 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 night in nighttime situation. So uh, I'm we're gonna warn the walrus to stay away from that. <laughs> We're going to research some more names. I'm not sure if the walrus is it yet. We're going to research some other ones. Man, all these people hate the walrus. All, all right. <laughs> we'll take a time out, finish out today's show next. 1037 The Game. Welcome back to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you go to the one of those two websites, you could sign up, put yourself eligible by joining the game clubhouse for one of two gift certificates to Cypress Bayou. That's a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can't be eligible to do it unless you join the game clubhouse. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, so since FedEx Man brought music into this thing, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking I'm starting to brainstorm a little more. If we if we can stick with the – if we decide to stick with the walrus for, for Raymond's nickname because he's this big golfer now, he could actually have a theme song. You know, the Beatles once sung a song, sang a song named "I Am the Walrus." So um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's going to be played at the um, the Hangout Music Festival. Uh, I don't, I don't think Hannah's very familiar with the uh, the, the the song "I Am the Walrus," but I, but I'm sure Raymond, who is a student of music history, 
uh, knows the song. I, I don't know how much he likes it or, or doesn't like it, but um, I'm more of a little bit more of a Beatles guy than Raymond is. But no, I mean, I mean, I mean, not, you know, we've established a lot today. We've given Raymond a nickname, and now he has a theme song. Assuming we stick with the Walrus, now we might we might need to explore elsewhere. But man, the things Raymond didn't know when he woke up this morning. Bye bye American Pie, my man was singing on the air. I love that song. Top tenor all time for me. Uh, I Am the Walrus is not a top tenor, but I enjoy hearing it here and there. And so, uh, oh, no. Wait till Raymond finds out he has a nickname and a theme song. The things you don't know that are going to happen when you wake up one day. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see how the weather goes. It's still a little iffy for SEC, um, you know, non-conference series, Sunbelt starting in softball, baseball playing Houston. We'll wait and see. Let's hope for the best. Y'all have a nice day.